church say amen. Uh, uh, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Here, here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. Uh, we've got a great, great lesson on faith. Uh, uh, on what kind of faith do you have? Uh, is it is it a real faith, a vibrant faith, a living faith? Is it the faith that God expects us to have? Uh, or is it a mere intellectual belief? You know, the Bible says that in, in the last day, uh, when Jesus is judging people, he's going to say to some folks, depart from me, I never knew you. Even though while they were here on this earth, they cried, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? Uh, uh, in other words, they were very religious, and they believed they had faith, but it wasn't a real faith. And, uh, and, and so we want to discuss that and talk about that, but I really want a lot more people here to hear this. Uh, not that, that whoever's here is not important, that by no means. I would never uh, say that, but uh, there, I just think there's a lot of people that come to church uh, that, that are seekers, but they're not saints. And I sure want them to get this. And I, I, don't, I may just do it twice. I don't know. Uh, but another thing, I don't, I don't want to teach when you're so uncomfortable that you can't uh, receive what's being said. So I need you to be honest. How many of y'all can be honest? Y'all better all raise your hand. Amen? <laughs> Amen. No, I can't be honest, preacher. I, uh, how many, how many, and then how many of y'all can stand the temperature? I mean, it's 50 degrees. Is everybody, I mean, you're here, uh, but is it going to be okay to sit a little while and, 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 and hear a little teaching? Uh, cause I got another thing I want to do too, uh, out of Mark chapter number two, but we'll, uh, uh, it just all depends on you here was, here's what our idea. We was, the staff was trying to scramble, uh, you know, what do we need to do if, if, if it's so uncomfortable in there that they can't, they can't really listen uh, we talked about having a prayer meeting and uh, uh, doing prayer requests from the floor and then spending some time in prayer and, uh, and then going and look at the building, showing the building and everything, what we've got accomplished so far in the auditorium. That was an idea. And uh, so I, I don't know. I'll just leave it up to you. What would you like to do if you're here? Uh, uh, we didn't really know what to do. I mean, this is something that it was kind of a last-minute thing. We were hoping we could get the, the heat up high enough where it's not, it, it didn't matter, but it just wasn't that way. So you tell me, what would, what would you all like to do tonight? A lesson. All right. The James lesson? James lesson it is. All right. All right. Get your lessons out. James chapter number two. James chapter number two. We'll get through what we can. And if you do get cold, stand up. Shake it off. Amen. Do what? Was it Taylor Swift? She's that her song. Shake it off. Whatever. I don't know. Shake it around. Stand up. Get your circulation if you get too cold. All right. James chapter number two. Let's, 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 uh, uh, let's begin there. I'll put Mark 2 on the burner, amen. Uh, uh, we, have, we have been studying James and, and, and finding out uh, what James wants us to know uh, about, you know, really living the Christian life, really walking and, and it being real and, and having an application to who we are. Did, did we get them passed out? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Raise your hand if you need a lesson if you didn't get a lesson. Right down here on the front, right down here in the middle, Brother Dole on this side. <clears throat> And the one, thing, the one thing that's so important about the Christian life in the Bible is that you need, you need the type of faith that practices 
what you what you say you believe. Now, how many of y'all how many of y'all have 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 seen people that say they believe one thing, but looked in the way they behave, they believe something totally different? Would you raise your hand? And and see, that's what James is applying here, and he is he is addressing. And, and if you remember, a couple of weeks ago when we started chapter number two, uh, he started talking about being prejudiced. He started talking about being uh, uh, choosing one group of people over another. In other words, uh, uh, treating uh, this group better than you treat that group. And he used the illustration of somebody rich. You know, when when somebody rich comes into the to, into the assembly, uh, you'll treat them with more respect. You'll treat them with more honor than the person who doesn't seem to have any thing and he called that hypocrisy he says you do that because you think you can get something out of the rich people and you know you can't get anything out of the poor people said god would never treat anybody that way and so he's really dealing with practical everyday living everyday activity how we act as a christian every day now he begins to deal with faith itself faith itself in a way that he says let me in any time you see him asking a question he's addressing a problem all right so when you see him asking a question he's addressing a problem that he is seeing in the local assembly if that makes sense say amen look in verse number 14 we'll start in verse 14 <clears throat> what doth it profit in other words what good does it do my brethren though a man say he have faith and have not works can faith save him now, you can word that, you can word that this way. Can that kind of faith, a faith without works, can that kind of faith save somebody? Can you see, here's what, here's what we need to understand. A lot of times people read this chapter and they get this confused and believe that you've got to work to be saved. Well, we already know that's not true because the Bible doesn't contradict itself and we have a verse to back that up in Ephesians and we'll read that in just a minute. But what he is describing here is three different kinds of faith. Say that with me. Three different kinds of faith. And what he is saying here, he described the first kind, the first type of faith, which is a dead faith. He says, can the kind of faith that produces nothing the kind of faith that produces no good works, that produces no evidence of faith itself, can that kind save somebody? Look what he says. So he gives an illustration. He says, what if somebody came in <coughs> needy, destitute, didn't have any food, didn't have any raiment? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. That sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? That sounds like something that, that a, a, a spiritual person would say or somebody religious would say. But then, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What, what does it profit? What good did it do? He says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being what? Alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God? Great, he says. That's wonderful. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? See, that's a reoccurring theme. Then he gives an illustration of Abraham. <clears throat> Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect or complete? The scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. 
Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for your, uh, uh, the opportunity to, to, to teach, even if it's cold. Lord, I pray that you'll warm it up for the folks in here. I pray, God, that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Faith. Let's, let's talk about faith just a minute. Faith is a key doctrine in the Christian life. We're saved by faith. Say amen. We are saved by faith according to Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. Now, when you you plug this verse in with what we just read, it almost seems just by uh, uh, face value that it contradicts each other. But it's not, and you'll see in just a moment. But Ephesians teaches us clearly that we are saved by faith. Saved by faith. Not of works that any man should boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? In other words, when we are saved by faith, what comes as evidence of our faith? Good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we're not only saved by faith, but we live by faith. Every day we live by faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. God wants us to live every day by faith. Then we know it's, it, without faith, it's impossible to please him, according to Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, what does that teach us? Everywhere through the, the New Testament you look, Jesus was always tickled with people's faith. When they came to him, when they came to him, uh, when he was in Mark chapter, see, I'm, I'm going to get back to Mark 2 anyway, amen? Uh, when he was in, 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 the, in, the, in the house, in, in that room, and it was noise abroad that he was in the house, it was so full you couldn't even get in the door. Well, these four friends brought their crippled friend to Jesus. They tear out the roof of the, of the house. They lower him down, and he's not even really looking at the friend that's crippled with the need. He's looking up at them and saying, man, look at their, their faith. He was so excited. He healed this guy because of their faith. Now, everywhere he went when people would come, the centurion and, 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 the, and, the, and the soldier who came to Jesus and said, and said, I really need you to come to my house, or excuse me, I need you to uh, heal. Uh, I have someone that is sick, and I need you to touch them. I need you to heal them. And Jesus said, well, come on, I'll go to your house. He said, no need. Don't worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. Just say the word. And Jesus said, Wow. Look at his faith. Do you know what? It's not tears that move the hand of God. It's not begging that moves the hand of God. It's faith that moves the hand of God. God cares about faith. Faith is so important to the Christian life. But it's got to be the right kind of faith. And this is, what, this is what James is addressing here in chapter number 2, the kind of faith. He says, can this kind of faith, the faith that produces no works, the faith that doesn't make a change in somebody's life, can this kind of faith save someone? So he describes three different kinds of faith, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, all right? Number one, number one, let's look at dead faith. Let's look at dead faith. This has to do with intellect, intellect. 
an intellectual understanding of who God is. All right, let's look in verse number 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works, can this kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not the thing. In other words, they're paying lip service, but there's no action that goes with it. He says, he says, they don't give them the things that are needful to the body. What doth it profit? All right, now here's the thing. Let's, look, let's write these down. A, when it comes to dead faith, I want, there's a few things I want you to know. A, the danger. Write that word down. The danger of dead faith. Why is, why is James so concerned about people having a dead faith, uh, a type of faith that's mere intellect? Even in the early church, there were those who claimed they had saving faith, yet they did not possess salvation. Wherever this is true, wherever there is true faith, you will find the counterfeit faith. Jesus and Paul both warned us about this. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone, this is Jesus speaking, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus even went on to say that they did good works. They would, they would cast out devils. They would do things that looked religious, but their faith wasn't real. It was counterfeit. Paul said this. Well, look, look what Paul said. Hebrews eleven six. But without, or excuse me, excuse me, let me get, let me get Titus 1, 16. Titus 1, 16, they profess that they know God. In other words, they say, I'm a Christian. You knock on about, <laughs> about any door in Coleman County, and 95% of the people will tell you they're Christians. With less than 25% of the people in Coleman going to church. Are y'all with me? There's a problem. They're, they are professing it. Watch, watch. They profess that they know God. But in works, they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and to every good work, reprobate. So here, here's, here's a problem. We have churches filled with people who have a dead faith. It's not real. They may have made a profession. They may, they may feel religious and act religious, and they, try, they know the right things to say. They know, uh, they know the right things to do, but it's not real on the inside now the danger b write this down we see a demonstration of dead faith how, how can we how can we how can we understand what dead faith is all about well people with dead faith substitute words for deeds they know the correct vocabulary for prayer and testimony they can even quote the right verses from the bible but their walk does not measure up to their talk they think that their words are as good as works, and they are completely wrong. All right, he gives an illustration. He gives a, a vivid illustration in verse 15. He, he says, let's, let's just think about this a minute. Let's think if someone came in with a great need. They came in, and they didn't have enough clothes, and they didn't have enough food. And, and, and we have people with a... a A counterfeit faith, this is how they would respond. God bless you. God bless you. May he pour all his blessings upon you. Be ye warmed and filled. All right, they say it, but they don't do anything. There's no action that comes with their words. So how does a, how does a, how does a, uh, 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 a false believer, 
how do they how do they respond how do they respond we see verse c write this down the determination of dead faith how do how do we describe it how would we how would we say okay this is the type person that that has not a real faith james is the question given in 214 says can this kind of faith save somebody what kind the kind of faith that is never seen in practical works in other words their their actions never support their words in other words in other words what they say what they say does not come to pass in their in their everyday walk here's what the bible says about a, a true christian here's what the bible says about somebody with real faith if any man be in christ he is a he is a a new creature a new creature old things are all things now here's the things here's the here's all things are all right say that word again become new now why is that important because when a person gets saved they're not going to be perfect overnight they're not going to quit everything overnight they're not they're going to stop a lot of things and i mean they're going to be way different but they may not have it all together overnight but they will be well on the way say amen they're going to be different. Things are going to be changing. Things are going to be uh, uh, drastically different in their life. But the people who come and make a profession, they can even do it at the altar, but their life never changes. Their life never changes. Their behavior never changes. Their, their activities never change. Never, nothing's ever different about them. He says, there's a problem. There's a problem. Here in this, in this particular passage, any declaration of faith, any declaration of faith that does not result in a changed life and good works is a false declaration. This kind of faith is dead faith. Even so faith, in James 2, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. The theologian John Calvin wrote this. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. The word alone in James 2.17 simply means this, by itself. True saving faith can never be by itself. It always brings life, and life produces good works. The person who has dead faith has only an intellectual experience. In his mind, he knows the doctrines of salvation, but he has never submitted himself to God and trusted Christ for salvation. He knows the right words, but he does not back up his words with his works. Faith in Christ brings life. Say that with me. Faith in Christ brings life. And where there is life, there must be growth and fruit. Three times in this paragraph, James warns us that faith without works is dead. Beware of a mere intellectual faith. No man can come to Christ by faith and remain the same any more than he can come into contact with a 220-volt wire and remain the same. Are y'all with me? How can somebody as big as God come into your life, in your heart, and you not be different? This little kid came home from Sunday school and just look, had that puzzled look on their face. And, 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 and Mama said, 
uh, uh, said, Susie, what, what's wrong? She said, well, I was just thinking about the lesson. And said, well, what did, what did the teacher say? Said, well, well God is as is, is, is big as the whole world and holds the whole world in his hands. She said, well, that's true. That's true. Well, Mama, but then, but then the teacher said that when a person gets saved, that, 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 that God comes inside of them. Well, she said, honey, that's true, too. That's true, too. She says, well, as far as I can tell, he ought to be busting out everywhere. Do you know what? Nobody should ever have to announce to the world they're a Christian. Because he should be busting out everywhere. Here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus brings life. Life. Even Jesus himself said this, ye shall know them by the fruit that they bear. The most popular saying in the world today, the most popular saying, especially the world against the church, you can't judge. You can't judge. The Bible says don't judge. In other words, if they're living like hell itself, and you say something about it, then you're judging. But the Bible says there we can discern. It's not about judging anybody. It's about what kind of fruit are you producing. Are y'all with me? Kind of getting quiet here. Amen? Listen, things will be different. We will be different. We won't be perfect, but all things will become new you know one you know one one indication of life one indication of life is appetite you know a baby when they come into this world they're hungry and they get hungry regular say amen and you know you, you gotta wonder you gotta wonder about people who who don't have an appetite for spiritual things they don't have an appetite for godly things. They don't have an appetite for the word. And they don't have an appetite to be around God's people. Something is wrong. And he's saying people with an intellectual faith, an intellectual belief. Let me describe it this way. Let me describe it this way. This is great. Uh, <clears throat> Tyler, this would work for you too because me and you are kind of in the same boat with this. Uh, I grew up in church my whole life. I did my whole life. I don't remember anything but church anything but church when i was a little when i was a little kid i wore a three-piece suit cowboy boots and i had a bible that was big as i was carried it around everybody called me the little preacher boy i, I could quote verses like crazy i had to go to christian school i had to go i i, I got to go to christian school amen Let me, oh lord dad's gonna whoop me now amen are you with me are you with me amen all right uh, and in and, and, and Christian school, you had to, like, memorize. See, I'm preaching so good, your own wife leaves. Amen. She's just going to bail on me. Amen. All right. But anyway, anyway, we had to memorize tons of verses and, 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 and different things. And, and so I knew a lot about God, a lot about him. And I'd even made a profession, you know, because... Uh, Dad would have evangelism, because I came from Hellfire and Brimstone Church. I don't know where anybody else come from, what style you come, but any evangelist that came in, they would preach on hell and scare it out of you. Say amen. I mean, every time it was like that. And I'd pray, whatever you needed me to pray, bless God, I'll pray anything. I knew all about God. But there was only one problem. 
It was intellectual. And you say, you got any Bible for that? How about, how about Samuel? How many of y'all remember the prophet Samuel? Well, if you'll study about Samuel, you'll find out that he kind of grew up in church too. His mother, when she weaned him, she brought him and gave him to the church because she made a commitment to God that, God, if you will give me a child, I will dedicate him back to you. And literally, she did. She gave him back to God, took him to the temple. They became his guardians, and he grew up in church. So the Bible says that he was serving God. He was living for God there. He was serving in the temple. He was working for God. And then God called his name. Samuel! He's asleep. He thinks, it's, he thinks it's the high priest. He thinks it's Eli. So he gets up and runs to him and, 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 and goes to him. He said, man, I didn't wake you. Go back to bed. I didn't call you. So Samuel goes back to bed, and he goes back to sleep. And then God calls him again. Samuel, he wakes back up, and he goes because he's, you know, he's kind of a, a minister to the high priest. And, and, he, and, and, and Eli says, I didn't call your name. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed, and, 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 and about that third time, about that third time, God calls his name again. He gets up and goes to Eli, and Eli figures it out now. He said, oh, this must be God speaking to you. He tells him, but this, this is the verse that got me. This is the verse that got me. This is what the, 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 your King James Bible says this verbatim. It says this, for Samuel did not yet know, K-N-O-W, he did not yet know the Lord. How could that be? He grew up in the temple, literally. When I say I grew up in church, I grew up in church, but I didn't really grow up in church. He lived at the church, and he worked for God every day. But the Bible says he did not know him. Here's how you can kind of get it and understand it. He had an intellectual knowledge of God. He knew of God, but he didn't know God. Are y'all with me? Now, some of y'all, some of y'all, were invited to church, and maybe a friend or a relative or a family member uh, who invited you to church, they told you about me. And you knew some things about me, but you didn't know me till you met me. Does that make sense? This is what we're talking about. There are people all over the world that know about God, and they have an intellectual understanding of who God is, but they've never submitted and surrendered to his will for their life. Do you realize you can know about God and still go to hell? I can tell you anything you wanted to know, basically. I mean, literally, I knew so much of the Bible when I was in the fourth grade. It was, it was scary. I could tell you, I could probably answer about any question you would have because I knew all about God. But until I met him personally and submitted my life and my will to him, it was just an intellectual knowledge. And knowing about God is not enough. Are y'all with me? Say amen. When you just know about God, it's a dead faith. Knowing about God did not change my life. Knowing about God did not change the inside of me. Listen, I was forced on the outside. I, I was conformed with pressure on the outside to be Christian. My father's uh, 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 leading in my life and the, and, and, and the, and the, 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 the I don't want to use the word pressure because it wasn't, I mean, because that makes it sound real horrible. I, I think we need to uh, lead our children, lead our family that way. But I was what I was because of the people around me, 
not what was on the inside of me. Does that make sense? And I'm taking a little bit long with this because I want you to really get this. Are you what you are because who you're hanging with? Are you who you are and what you believe or what you say you believe because of the people around you, because of the pressure that's on you, or is it coming from the inside? Would you be that if everybody else turned their back on God? Is it real? Or is it just an intellectual understanding of who God is? Or what religion says you need to be? Does that make sense? Now, it gets even gets even deeper he goes and says listen having the type of life where you profess with words one thing but you live in, a, in an, another way you say be ye warmed and feel but you do nothing to change the situation in this person's life in other words a a a mere intellectual understanding has words but no substance words but no action they profess but in, in, in actions, they deny. If this makes sense, say amen. Now watch what he says. Now he's fixing to get really, he's fixing to get really in people's understanding. He says, let me, let me even go beyond that. He says, you say, you say you believe. He said, that's great. Even the demons believe. And, and, tremble. You see, now he's adding to it. You see, the intellectual faith has belief. But the demonic faith, we talked about the dead faith. Now the demonic faith, they have the intellect. They believe who he was. But not only the intellect, they have emotions. They shudder and tremble. Now, you say, what's the big deal about that? How many people you think is walking this earth and they think their faith is genuine because they got emotional about it? How many, how many people you think is walking around this planet and they believe they're truly saved because they cried one day? Because they had an emotional experience. Do you realize there's whole denominations that's kind of running everything in, in, in their... Uh, their worship is ruled by emotion. That if they don't get all weepy and, 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 and wooey and all that, then they think they didn't meet with God. And, if, and, 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 and listen, I came from a background that if you hollered and spit and screamed and shouted, it really didn't matter what you said. It was good preaching. I had no clue what was being said, but boy, he said it nice. Are y'all with me? And you know what he, you know what he compared this to? demonic faith i wonder why i wonder why he would word it that way and why because it just makes it like so much worse when you think demons are doing this and he's comparing a, a certain way of believing and a certain type of faith to demons i'm thinking man that's just bad why would why would he make it so bad and i got to thinking i think it's so bad because there's so many people so deceived by it Oh, I know I'm saved because I got emotional when it happened. I got emotional when my team lost too. Y'all with me? I got emotional when I went to McDonald's and they didn't have hot mustard no more. 
but it's back. Say amen. <laughs> you see, it's it's got to be it's got to be more than an emotional stirring. Watch, watch. Let's let's stay with the. I'm gonna run a rabbit. And, how are we doing with time? We're doing good. Amen. How are we doing with the temperature? Everybody good? Everybody good? All right, all right. Here here here's the deal. Look look. I want you to I want you to look at number two, demonic faith. It deals with the intellect and emotions, and emotions. Watch this. A, we see an explanation of their faith. Let's, let's explain a little bit about what, what demons believe. What do they believe? <clears throat> well, you say, I'm saved because I believe in the existence of God. Well, so do demons. They're neither atheists nor agnostics. Well, I'm saved because I believe in the deity of Christ. Well, so do demons. Whenever they met Christ, when he was on earth, they bore witness to his sonship. That's in Mark 3, 11. You, you with me? Demons got that. Well, I, I, I believe I'm saved because I believe in the existence of a place of punishment. Well, guess what? So do demons. Luke 8, 31. They also recognize Jesus Christ as the judge, and they submit to his word, Mark 5, 1 through 13. So we see he brings us in. He says, look, you're, 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 basing, you're basing your salvation experience on what you say you believe. But guess what? The demons believe that too. The demons have an intellectual understanding of who Jesus is, and they knew exactly who he was. They even got emotional about it. Watch. The extent of their faith. <clears throat> Not only the explanation of their faith, but the extent of their faith. You believe that there is one God? Even the demons believe that, that. And he says that not only that, they shudder at the thought of it. The man with dead faith was touched only in his intellect. But the demons are touched also in their emotions. But it is not a saving experience to believe and tremble. A person can be enlightened in his mind and even stirred in his heart but be lost forever. True saving faith involves something more, something that can be seen and recognized, a changed life. He says in 2.18, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. How could a person show his faith without works? How could that be? How is that possible? When you trust Christ, you are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Being a Christian involves trusting Christ and living for Christ. Say that with me. Being a Christian involves and you receive the life, then you reveal the life. Faith that is barren is not saving faith. The Greek word translated dead in James 2.20 carries the meaning of barren or idle, like money drawing no interest. James has introduced us to two kinds of faith that can never save a sinner. Dead faith, which involves the intellect alone. Demonic faith, which involves the intellect and emotions. But he closes with this, describing the only kind of faith that can save a sinner. Dynamic faith. Church, say amen. Look what he says. He gives a description of two different kinds, dead faith and demonic faith. But now he begins to describe the kind of faith that we all need to have. And he uses, he uses Abraham and uh, uh, Rahab the harlot in the Old Testament as illustrations to describe people who had 
a real, dynamic, living faith. Are y'all with me? Say amen. How does he describe it? A, write this down. Dynamic faith described. Dynamic faith described. <clears throat> James described this true saving faith. To begin with, dynamic saving faith is based on the Word of God, period. It starts there. It starts with the Word of God. Without the Word of God, it cannot happen. It starts with the Word of God. What does he say in James chapter number 1, verse number 18? Of his own will begot he us with the Word of truth. Say that with me. The, the Word of truth. Verse 21 of that same chapter. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So we start with the word. We receive our spiritual rebirth through God's word. We receive the word and this saves us. So then faith cometh by hearing. Here's in Romans chapter 10. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Now here's, here's where it gets real good. Faith is only as good as its object. The man in the jungle. Now, here's the thing. There are people on this earth that have great faith. But their faith is in the wrong thing. Y'all with me? Now, you can't tell me, you can't tell me when it comes to great faith in something that the people that strap bombs themselves and blow themselves up probably have a greater amount of faith than some of us in this tent. But see, the only problem is it's in the wrong thing. Are y'all with me? There are people in jungles that have faith in idols. They have faith in little wooden statues. I have watched missionary videos and missionary films where, where people are starving to death, literally starving to death in countries, starving to death. I mean starving to death with cows walking all around them because they refuse to kill a cow because in their religion... You know, they worship them as gods. Are y'all with me? And it's not that they don't have great faith. The problem is the object of their faith. The object of your faith determines the type of faith that you have. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch, watch. <clears throat> faith is only as good as its object. The man in the jungle bows before an idol of stone and trusts it to help him, but he receives no help. Now watch what I underlined. No matter how much faith a person may generate, if it is not directed at the right object, it will accomplish nothing. I believe may be the testimony of many sincere people, but the question is, in whom do you believe? What do you believe? We are not saved by faith in faith. Did you catch that? We're not saved by faith in faith. We are saved by faith in Christ as revealed in his word. Here's, here's what dynamic faith says. Dynamic faith is based on God's word, and it involves the whole man. Dead faith touches the intellect. Demonic faith involves the mind and the emotions. But dynamic faith involves the will. Watch this. The whole person plays a part in true saving faith. First, the mind understands the truth. What does that mean? You have to be able to understand what this word says about who you are and what it says about who he is and what it says about what he did for you. In other words, you have to understand, for all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. You have to understand that you're a sinner. Y'all with me? That's what it means by understanding the truth of God's word. You got to understand we're great sinners, but he's a great savior offering a great salvation. Amen. So we, 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 we read the word, we hear the word and it makes sense. It makes sense that I'm in the, in the shape that I'm in because I'm a sinner. It makes sense that I've lived the life I've lived because I was a sinner. It makes sense that I, I've had this gnawing on the inside of me and this desire for something I didn't even know was there because I'm in need of a Savior. Oh, it makes sense to me that Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived 33 years upon this earth. He died on an old rugged cross, was put in the ground three days and come out and resurrected for my sake and your sake. Somebody say amen. I understand that. That makes sense to me. Listen, I, my mind, my mind understands truth. God illuminates my mind to truth. Then, then <clears throat> the second thing that happens, my mind understands the truth. Then my heart desires the truth. Then my, my, <laughs> my emotions are stirred. My heart is stirred. So what happens? Then the will acts upon the truth. That's the key, guys. The will acts upon the truth. The, the men and women of faith named in Hebrews 11 were people of action. God spoke and they obeyed. True saving faith leads to action. Dynamic faith is not intellectual contemplation or emotional consternation. It leads to obedience on the part of the will. And this obedience is not an isolated event. It continues throughout the whole life. Somebody say amen. Now, here's the part, make sure I got enough time to do this. Here's the part that really explains it. And you, you've, got to, you've got to be able to see what he's trying to do with these illustrations with Abraham and, and, and Rahab to really get the truth of, of, of James chapter number 2. In other words, he said, look, the real faith, a dynamic faith, a saving faith produces works. Something happens when this faith takes hold in a person's life. Real change takes place. Works come from real faith, period. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And, and so now he says, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. He, he, brings, up, he brings up two experiences in the life of Abraham to, to prove what he's talking about when, when he is trying to get us to understand that true faith produces good works, all right? Now, look what he says in verse number uh, 21. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, here's how this works. Here's how this works. There came a day in Abraham's life when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, you see all those stars up there? You see all those stars up there? I'm going to make your seed as all those stars up there. And you know what the Bible says? Abraham said, okay. He believed God's word. In other words, he took God at his word. He believed God's word. He trusted in God's word. At that moment, at that moment was his salvation experience. According to the scriptures, at that moment, 
God justified him. What does that mean? He saved him. Justified means uh, it, it was counted to his account. He wasn't righteous, but God gave him righteousness at that moment. Say amen. Justification, I heard one person say this. Here's what justification is. Justification is just if I had never sinned. That's what God counts to our life. And, and, and at this point, when he believed God, he counted him righteous. All right, watch this. Then he says, there came a time in Abraham's life when God said, I want you to take your son, your, 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 your son that, that you love, that you think is the greatest thing in the world, and I want you to go sacrifice him. So he goes to the mountain, and by the way, he calls it worship too. Think about that. First time the word worship was ever found in the Bible. No choirs, no preaching, but a man sacrificing his all. That's what God said was worship. Say amen. He goes and he does what God told him to do. He was completely obedient to what God said. And what James is saying here. He didn't, he didn't sacrifice his son or was going to sacrifice his son to be saved. He did this and was evidence of being saved. In other words, this faith, him believing God, when God said he would make him as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, are y'all with me? That salvation, that's faith, but then works what he did with, what he did with his son when you put them together, it completed, it completed, and it made evident his faith in Jesus Christ, or excuse me, in God himself. Watch, look at the verse. Look at the verse in verse number, verse 22, verse 22. Look in verse 22. Seest thou how faith, him believing in God, wrought, the word wrought, y'all ever, anybody ever made uh, 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 like a like a cake or or, or maybe uh, maybe biscuits or something. You had all the ingredients and you started working it together. That's what that word wrought means. It means put together, intertwine. All right. When faith and works are intertwined, it says in verse number twenty two that works with this faith was made perfect or complete. Now let me describe it in our notes. Look in look in B. Dynamic faith demonstrated. We see an A dynamic faith described. Look in. B, dynamic faith demonstrated, the illustration. James illustrates his doctrine in the lives of two well-known Bible people, Abraham and Rahab. You could not find two more different people. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a godly man. Rahab was a sinful woman. Abraham was a friend of God, while Rahab belonged to the enemies of God. But what did they have in common? They both exercised saving faith in God. Now, here's, here's Abraham's salvation experience. This is in Genesis 15. We, we already said it was when God showed up. He's, he gave him the promise. He gave him his word, and he believed the word of God. So with that, God counted him righteous. The word counted is a legal or financial term. It means to put to one's account. As a sinner, Abraham's spiritual bank book was empty. He was bankrupt, but he trusted God, and God put righteousness or excuse me, God put righteous on Abraham's account. Now look at the bold letters. Read it with me. Abraham did not work for this righteousness. He, now let's, let's go. Everybody read it. Everybody read it. Abraham did not work for this righteousness. He received it as a gift from God. He was declared righteous by 
He was justified by faith. Read Romans 4. We know what Romans 4 says. Now watch. Two things I want you to see. The act. The act of God. When he believed, at that moment, when he said, your, your, your descendants, your seed is going to be as the stars of the sky, at that moment, because he believed, he justified him. This is an act of God. Justification is an important doctrine in the Bible. Justification is the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous or on the basis of Christ's finished work on the cross. It is not a process. It is an act. It is not something the sinner does. It is something God does for the sinner when he trusts Christ. It is a once-for-all event. It never changes. Now, does everybody understand that before we go further? The moment you believe in Christ, the moment you place your faith in God, God counts you righteous. He looks at you just like he looks at his son. Are y'all with me? It's a once and for all act, boom. He says, okay, you're clear, you're clean, you're righteous. I'm not standing in my righteousness because my righteousness are as filthy rags. I'm standing in Christ's righteousness alone. Say amen. Now watch, now watch. Because of that, because of that, because of what God did, how can we tell, how can we tell if a person is justified by faith? If the transaction takes place between the sinner and God privately, this is what James is trying to explain to us. Abraham's example answers that important question. The justified person has a changed life and obeys God's will. His faith is demonstrated by his works. James used another event in Abraham's life an event that took place many years after Abraham's conversion. This event is the offering up of Isaac on the altar. Abraham was not saved by obeying God's difficult command. His obedience proved that he was already saved. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. There is a perfect relationship between faith and works as someone has expressed it abraham was not saved by faith plus works but by a faith that works explain it this way the moment he believed in god god counted him righteous and he was able to do what he did and he did what he did on that mountain with his son isaac because he was saved in other words true dynamic faith always has works coming with it period there's no way around it you can profess it all you want to you can say well i prayed this prayer or i got emotion it doesn't matter if your life doesn't reflect it if your life does not change if you do not see something different in your life and what jesus did for you it's not real it's not real preacher what are you saying i'm saying this what does your life say? Not your mouth. What does your life say? What does your behavior say? It doesn't really matter what we say with our mouth. It's how we live our life. Have you ever heard this, this statement, everybody preaches their own funeral? Now let's think about this a minute. Let's think about this a minute. I've been to tons of funerals. Tons of them. And sometimes... Sometimes I'm sitting in the congregation because I know the person a long time. 
and I hear the person being described from the, from the platform in the pulpit, and I'm thinking, I'm at the wrong funeral. Amen? I'm thinking, this is not, this is not the dude I knew. You know, I, I don't, if I don't know the person, if I don't know the person, I have to, because sometimes people call out the blue. Just, just a couple weeks ago, someone called from Decatur, and they had nobody. They had nobody. And they said, would you please come to the funeral? I had no clue who they are, never been around, never known. I, I didn't know anybody there. And by the way, that is my least favorite job in the whole ministry. Say amen. So here I go. I go. And when I, when I go and do funerals like that, I don't even deal with the person here. I address the crowd that's watching. Listen, I can't do nothing for them, but I can help the living. And I don't ever, and I even do this. I even do this. If I know the person that's, that's here, if I know their life was not lived in a godly way, even if they got saved at the end, even if they got saved right before they die, I will never deal with that topic because I don't want Joe Green out sitting in the, in the, in the congregation. Well, if he's going to heaven. I saw everything he did. I, I don't ever do that. I don't ever do that. And, and, and you say, why are you saying all this? All I'm saying is you preach your own funeral. The way you live your life, the way you live and deport yourself around people, and you say, preacher, you trying to just get us to doubt our salvation? Nope. No, but I am saying this. The Bible says make your calling and election sure. I think everybody needs to be sure. I went to church. I quoted verses. I think I even preached a few sermons. And I was lost. I was lost. Why? I had an intellectual knowledge. I don't ever remember a time in my life I didn't know about God. Because I was being taught, Jesus loves me, this I know before I could even read. So there was really never a time in my life I didn't know something about God. But it was an intellectual understanding. And there was times I got emotional in revival services or whatever. Or speakers have a way of touching the emotions with stories. I mean, y'all with me, amen? It just happened. It is, it is what it is. But there came a day that I heard his voice. Did you hear me? There came a day I heard his voice calling my name. And honestly, the first thought that I had was, uh-oh. And the second thought was, what are people going to think? I'm the little preacher boy. Everybody thinks good of me. But see, that's just Satan. But it didn't matter. He was calling my name. Has there ever been a time you had a real, sure enough, salvation experience where God showed you that you was a sinner? Not that you, not necessarily that you were going to hell, but that you had offended the holiness of God, that you were a sinner. Say, preacher. What are you getting at? Here's what I'm getting at. On the bottom of that lesson, there's some questions. There's some questions that, that, that can help you with this. Just go through those questions and examine yourself. Now, there's nothing wrong with examination. This ain't about making anybody doubt. I don't want anybody to doubt, but I sure want you to be sure. 
I don't want anybody to walk around with a demonic faith. A faith that believes that there is a God and understands that there is a God and maybe that even gets emotional every now and then. I want one that is surrendered, solely submitted to the will of God in my life. And I hope you are too. It's kind of crazy that we had a handful tonight because this is really something I want everybody to hear. But you know what? God don't make mistakes. And he knew who was going to be here. And he knew who needed to hear this. And so here's what I want to do. I want to I uh, uh, just, just say a prayer. And uh, uh, Brother Montgomery, we're, will, will you get your Bible and all that and be up here? Because surely God's dealing with somebody right now. And Mr. Montgomery, if you'll come up. And, and here's what we'll do. We're going we're to dismiss. We're not going to. We're not going to have verses and all that, but, but I want these people available. I want these people available with their Bibles. And, uh, and, and, and Joe, you can be on this side if you want to. Somebody needs to come down here. And, and, and if, if God's speaking to you, don't leave. Don't leave. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. Usually when God does stuff like this, he started talking the moment we started. And, 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 and I, I know, I mean, I, I've been here. I've, I've been in service where I felt that conviction, and I knew God was talking directly to me. And here's what I did know, too, that when I went home, he went with me. Because I was thinking, if that preacher just hurry up and shut up, if he'd just hurry and be quiet, I can get out of here, maybe this will go away. But you know what? It went home with me. Because God's wanting, he's wanting you to have a real faith. He's wanting you to have a dynamic faith. He's wanting you to have a faith that will change your life forever. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. And we're going to dismiss and, and, uh, and we're going to give you an opportunity. Uh, Dustin, you want to you you open it up and, and let him say it anyway?